Good morning, everybody. This is October 8th, 2018, for all I know. And uh, to my left and right, we've got Ryan Riley. Yes, yes. And Mallory Thomas for the first time. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Give yourself, like, I don't know, eight seconds to describe what you do or who you are. Oh, well, I talk really fast. So um, I am a person that reads way too many articles on social media and online just to try to figure out what's going on in the world. Okay, so... You will be our Vox Populi for this particular conversation. Perfect. I accept that burden. That's uh, We're glad to have you. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> we, are, we are constantly in need of other people to shout with or at. So Great. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll get through this intact. Um, this is going to be the second and last election cast. <laughs> do you have some inside knowledge that we're unaware of? <laughs> I, I was expecting I was expecting to do this in another two years. What? Well, I mean, look, promises can be kept or unkept. Excellent. But, but in any case, we're here to tell you uh, exactly how to vote and be uh, politically conscious. Coming from someone who hasn't been politically conscious probably ever, a political scientist, and you guys all know the jokes. Yes. Um, and Mal, who... Um, who purports to know almost nothing about politics. In fact, despite living through the last two years of all this bullshit, <laughs> claims she needed like an extra half an hour to read up on this stuff before she sat down here. Which, by the way, how did that go? What did you look up? Um, my speed limit getting here because it was raining. So there was a lot of traffic and I got stuck by all the red lights. So I'm, I'm looking online at um, constitutional amendments from Florida Vote, which tells me the chamber position. Um, so that's about where I am right now. Mal, why did you, cause you immediately lit up when we mentioned that we were doing this election cast. Why are you sitting here? <laughs> because I learn most by listening to other people and trying to figure out like if I'm as insulated as I think that I am. Um, so in the sense that when you talk to the same people every day, you kind of get the nice echo chamber, which, you know, no one needs to hear any more about. You just get your beliefs reaffirmed back at you. So it's always good to listen to what other people have to say and their take on everything. Um, and it's it's a lot different than being on the other side of a keyboard and you know typing at someone and trying to figure out where they are and if they're just a horrible person or just woefully misguided or if you're the horrible person and woefully misguided. So Okay, well, that's very polite and flattering. But I think the real reason you're here, as indicated on those social media websites, is that you get very mad about this stuff on a regular <laughs> basis. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't had more fun on Facebook other than in the chat windows that you uh, put yourself adjacent to when you post things like, you know, females make okay bosses and that kind of stuff. Those are, those <laughs> are my radical. Or did you invite into this room, David? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Just okay bosses, yeah, not okay. great bosses. <laughs> well, that's the magic. That's the magic of this exact moment in history is that it doesn't start out. Like, the articles in question are not necessarily inflammatory. They just are inflammatory um, <laughs> when they're exposed to air. And, <laughs> and I, you know, I get to love that because I'm not bearing the brunt of literally any of those consequences. But, um, but this is a very frustrating moment in American politics, in case any of you are listening to this in the future. Um, just to recap, uh, in our first election cast... Um, as Ryan said, and I will paraphrase again, I don't think I said it out loud. Um, all that's going to happen is that a lot of people are going to go out to vote for the president and some number million more of them are going to vote for Hillary than Trump. <laughs> and now here we are. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I was both right 
and oh, oh, so wrong about that. You were completely right. Oh, you just own God. it. Just Damn own it. it, man. So, Ryan. Yeah. You're the one who has to listen to the most small children. Yes. How do they take this? So, like... I- you know, so we we uh, we were in Orange County, Florida, and uh, you know it is a fairly diverse place. And most of the students that I teach come from you know either you know middle class or working class backgrounds primarily. Um, and um, they are, uh, it's funny because they're they're more engaged, but not to like any sort of different level than I've seen before. But they're fucking frustrated by what's going on here, right? Like the 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 media narratives that they are exposed to the dialogue of how politics unfolds um, in the wider, um, you know, in the wider channels of discussion is something that I think a lot of like my students find very, very frustrating. Um, You know, I do not have, you know, there are not a lot of like natural conservatives um, among young people. And even when there are, um, you know, they tend to be more of, you know, much like, much like young people in general tend to be more of the idealistic, um, you know, libertarian types and such. I mean, even uh, almost to the point of like being avant-garde to a certain extent and, uh, you know, just not brave enough to be anarchists, but they're (laughs) they're so close, you know, like they're so close to being cool. And it's fun to like engage them because, you know, there is this like weird antipathy among like more affluent white libertarian students who are like not really like happy with what's going on either. You know, like they're like, this is horseshit. Um, You know, when the... uh, uh, list came out, you know, and they're banning people from coming into the country. Like, I mean, it's kind of nice to actually see uh, that libertarianism was not this like veil for, uh, you know, generalized frustration at the left, right? Like some people actually were, um, you know, believing in like, you know, like open borders, open markets, things like that. And this is kind of like, you know, kind of come through in interesting ways, but by and large, this is bullshit. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, this is just total shit. And I am happy to a certain extent because uh, for the first time in my life, um, I think people are thinking about power in a very real way. I think that this, like, when I talk to my students about what power is and how you know you are um, being exposed to it, how you know it's having an influence on you, um, you know, I think that people are becoming a little bit more aware of this now uh, than they were before. And I think this can only be a positive thing because in encountering power, and yet I still, in this America, and call me wrong here, right? But I still think that combined with our fundamental liberties, um, a notion that you can have like power and agency in the world is something that I think is going to start coming across um, as, the, the, our, as the veneer of our politics degenerates. And this is something that's very exciting to me. I got to be honest with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited about the potential conflicts that are going to happen. So count me in. Like this is, this is going to be a good time. Not to over-iterate it, but Mal, how have you been the last two years? <laughs> um, well, I, I find it interesting that the first thing that Ryan went to was power, and I think that's kind of top of mind after the whole uh, Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether to call it a debacle or a spectacle or a hot mess, but it's it's all of those things together. And Absolutely. I think that was one of the most clear <laughs> demonstrations of we have power, we're going to do everything we can to retain power. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've seen in a long time, and if if not the most, um, if not the most real example, definitely one of the most explicit that I've mm-hmm. seen in a in a long time. So that was kind of I, I think uh, among the moments of just blind anger, uh, just like absolute blind anger. On top of that, yeah. But the past two years, it was it started with the whole like you know the mindset of like okay okay this is our reality. <laughs> this is where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. But then it just starts slowly getting more and more frustrating. And one of the most frustrating things is watching people just 
lap up this like absolute mess. You touched on the mm-hmm. the media narratives, which like, oh my god, it's just it's so bananas to me that we have two swaths of the country that are ex- experiencing the same historical events mm-hmm. in totally different timelines. It's just it's bananas to watch this all happen. And then if you try to jump in and say something, a it's. 99% of the time, never going to be a hot take. Mm-hmm. B, going to be shouted down and not worth it. Mm-hmm. Or C, you're just, you're playing to a crowd that doesn't want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, like you said, with your students, I'm kind of in the same boat where you you really want to like get up and make a change, but we almost have, you know, uh, whiplash between what thing we want to pay attention to or where we want to make a change. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just kind of depression because it's like, oh, well, we actually have no say until we vote. And yeah. we just got to hope that the people that we vote for are ones that are going to uphold the promises that they intended to keep mm-hmm. and then getting people out to vote. So, so that's the creepy, weird way in which as a white guy, I'm allowed to say this, um, that, that there was a silver lining to Trump because if Hillary had not merely got millions more votes, but also won, yeah. that veneer would be intact. And I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that would have been worse than what we have because the one thing Trump has managed to be through the last two years, blessedly enough, is incompetent to the task put before him. He is laughed at by people. There are senior White House officials. He can't fire them fast enough to let him get his way. I am honestly floored, knock on wood. We're not at war yet. Mm -hmm. That is... That's incredible. I would not have guessed that. And honestly, as long as, I mean, it's not like there isn't a death toll and a suffering toll that can be levied on Trump's head. But what Trump has proven to us in the last two years is that it's not even the most cynical form of this where it's, you know, your vote doesn't matter because who are the Republicans and Democrats? I mean, that's that's always that's going back a while. There have been these people who are laid back and usually end up voting Republican because you know, what's the difference? We might as well vote for the person who does what they say they're going to do instead of the person who purports to be a good person as the Democrats all do. And then tells us they can't do it for some reason. They're just, they don't have the facility. Mm -hmm. Um, But the lie of this is gradually being exposed and uh, everyone in this room, you know, I think we can vouch for at least one echo chamber with all the numbers we're going to, that I'm going to potentially pull up here. um, Look, I, I really hate that the Democrats are going to potentially win because they don't deserve it. It's just that we can't let them lose yeah. because who they're losing to is worse. And that's that's sort of the, the flag I want to plant here is that th- there's no one who is still a Republican in good faith. That's not that's not a position anymore. Right. Like the, that veil is gone. Um, you can't have this version of real politique where the Republicans represent this more pragmatic side of things that maybe small government is good, that may, like, the, the number I want to pull for this. Um, so, OpenSecrets.org publishes donor histories uh, for mm-hmm. candidates. I pulled Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell, seemed like appropriate ones. Mitch McConnell, top five industries donating to his campaigns. Securities, which is investment banks, etc. Mm-hmm. Law, retired people. Health, real estate. Nancy Pelosi, top five, health, law, securities, real (laughs) estate, public sector unions. She has one. She has one differentiating factor. Yes. These people, it's Bill Burr 
he goes a little too far in the direction of just outright cynicism and laying back because there is stuff that we need to do. But these people are the fucking same. Mm -hmm. They, they are in fact motivated by the same forces. Their rhetoric is slightly different, but they do not in fact represent our interests. And the reason why I'm bringing all this up is that my mea culpa culpa after uh, what Ryan, Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan's prediction was egregiously off. Not that I didn't. And most (laughs) of America didn't make the same prediction. Um, is that I came into this conversation as one of the libertarians that you were talking about mm-hmm. in your class. Right. Two, literally just two years ago. Yeah. I was in this camp because it, I mean, for perfectly self-serving reasons, every, I, everyone's initial political class is self-serving. But libertarianism felt good until about, I don't know, two years ago. Yeah. Because there was a promise that technocracy could maybe be the salvation here. Mm-hmm. We could, in fact, let corporations and even individuals mm-hmm. take care of us in some capacity because technology was pointing in that direction. And th- that has that's simply disintegrated. Mm-hmm. And you go in one of two directions after that. You either, um, if you are committed to liberty, you become a socialist. Mm-hmm. If you are committed to structure, you become a fascist. Mm-hmm. And I just can't do the fascist train. Yeah. So, so here I am. Mm-hmm. Um, my political views have changed dramatically over that time. And yeah. uh, if you are one of these libertarians who in the back of your mind always thinks that it's wrong but can't get it out of your head, uh, might I recommend uh, Hip Hop and Chapo Trap House. Yeah. Uh, together, <laughs> they actually will do a pretty good job of dissolving those bonds mm-hmm. uh, because they provide – It's it, you don't need reasoning. Reason is not what's linking you to libertarianism. You mm-hmm. have this veneer of reason, but it is an emotional feeling, and you need it mocked yeah. relentlessly. Yeah. And that is what both of those will do for you. Well, the um, the idealist the ideal the idealistic component of of libertarianism is what like I've always appreciated in you know like your philosophy of it, and you know, and like I said, the kind of like actual committed libertarians in my in my classes. You know, they're the, you know, when you actually meet someone who, you know, has fully inculcated all of the, you know, uh, suppositions and the actual, you know, the actual substance of it, right? It's like, it's open borders. It's, you know, it's, it's tearing down nationalism. It's uh, those, you know, like a belief that like men and women should be equal on the playing field kind of thing. And, you know, it's, you know, it's true egalitarianism on some dimension. And that's what is like fascinating about when, when, like I said, when you meet someone driving with those ideals, but over the last, you know, two years, it's, you know, cause I had, I had a lot of problems heading into 2016 too, you know, being, uh, you know, being left and last two years has pushed me even further left on these things as well. Like the, I, you know, I, um, I liked Bernie Sanders and uh, I just want to go ahead and, you know, go and air this out over the last two years. Cause I think that that's an important question to ask, which is that, um, you know, would, would Bernie have won? Um, and if so, what would the last two years have been like? And, uh, you know, I am of the mindset that Bernie um, would, was not a sure bet to win. I don't, I don't think we, we can, you know, we can point to polls of people having buyer's remorse with Trump, or we can point to polls, you know, too early in the process for Trump to latches, you know, latches claws into Bernie in the general election. But combined with that, I, I mean, and David, you know, I talked about this previously. Um, you know, Bernie would have likely faced uh, a Republican majority in both houses anyway, or, or, or a majority in one of them. And that would have been a, 
it would have been a fucking disaster. That's the problem. Like, and that's why even Hillary would not have worked. Hillary would have been much more pragmatic and would have potentially been able to get anything done. I mean, your indictment of Bernie on our mm-hmm. last podcast yeah. was that he couldn't even get endorsements from the people who sat He'd next to him. He'd been in Congress 20 years. Motherfucker couldn't get, could have got two, two out of four, out of 500 people. Two. Yeah. Two. I mean, that, that is a problem. God you can't, almighty. you can use the ideology to get into office. I mean, Cortez proved that in spectacular fashion relatively recently, but once you're there, especially when you don't have the backing mm-hmm. of the actual representatives and Senate, Bernie was going to get absolutely nothing done may have actually been worse mm-hmm. because he would have become a, he would have become an accidental martyr mm-hmm. to the positions of, you know, Medicare for all and a $15 minimum wage and a bunch of other things that for the record, um, even in 2018, uh, the majority of Americans are in favor of now. Mm-hmm. Um, even a lot of Republicans are, which is where this apply. Actually, speaking of Republicans, Mal, you had mentioned that you were registered as a Republican. Yep. When did that happen? So, um, I mean, it happened like as soon as I was able to vote. I mean, I came from a, a pretty affluent, predominantly white. Um, I say Christian very loosely because my family wasn't super religious, but that was kind of the the area. Neither that are I the grew. conservatives anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've all been to church once or twice. It yeah, happens. it's religion and like big air quotes and like you know I show up maybe sometimes outside of like Easter and Christmas, but that is the that part's never been me. That's just kind of, again the area that I grew up in. Um, so familial pressure. Yeah. Well, not really pressure. It was just kind of the. Um, I kind of took the whole ideal, like you said about your students, mm-hmm. with like small government and mm-hmm. fiscal responsibility. Like that's kind of the the side of the fence that I landed on. But mm-hmm. it was very moderate. Like mm-hmm. I was always pretty far to the left, especially compared to my family, and my friends when it came to social issues. Okay. Um, and then I moved to Europe. Um, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> um, that did happen, but. Um, I mean, it just when you when you start to see how some things like come together and you start to look at things like healthcare for all in the context of it's something that you can invest in as a nation to make your country better. Um, and the I, I think it's kind of the idea that the more real things like universal health care, fifteen dollar mm-hmm. minimum wage, things like that actually seem the prospect of never actually being able to achieve that. Mm-hmm pushed me a lot farther to the left Mm -hmm. um just because like as a student of of history and comparative religion like when you start to pull back and like dig into all of those layers you just see all of all of this different mess and this different mess of people who again had power and were very very good at retaining power and what tools they used to kind of keep different um different people who didn't have the same advantages in their place. Mm-hmm. And to me, it took a well into my mid to late twenties to like understand the concept of privilege. Mm-hmm. And then in that nature, just how, how screwed some people get in the middle of all of this. Mm-hmm. So like all, all of those things kind coming, coming together and then just watching a, the, um, the Republican primaries were just, oh, God. Like, I was still in, in the UK at the time, and I was reading transcripts of everything that <laughs> happened. And it was just like, is this a joke? Like, did somebody, like, say Trump is running? And, like, mm. oh, I can't – I don't have a camera, but I'm using air quotes. And then, like, I, I don't know what happened. But just from there, it was like, where what do you look to? Because this reflects 0% of my values mm-hmm. and uh, what I'd like to see our country become. And 0% interest in any sort of geopolitics. So mm. – but I think from that point, moving but, away. 
But the Republicans understand that they don't need you to vote for them. Correct. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the Democrats don't seem to be able to let anyone go. Yeah. No matter where they live or what they think. Yeah. Um, The big tent is alive and well, even this late into this. And this is where the consternation with this. We've brought up the concept of understanding power a couple of times because Kavanaugh is a great example of this. He is a demonstration by the sitting majority Mm -hmm. in Congress that... No, you do what we say. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter in some formal stance. I mean, there are a million ways the Democrats could have actually affected <laughs> affected that um in a way that may have actually either stalled or literally axed it, but in in reality as we may get into, but we may need another podcast for depending on how far this goes, um they they don't actually have any genuine interest in seeing Kavanaugh eliminated because they're right already they're already right and that's more than good enough for a democrat uh, they don't have to win they're not concerned oh, with that god well and they don't even go down swinging a lot of times you know like there was just i mean the the bare minimum they could have done was like not shown up so like quorum in the senate is 51 senators needed like if nobody had shown up they wouldn't have been able to hold a quorum in the senate so they wouldn't have been able to vote like all they would have had to do was like not show the fuck up you know what I mean? Like there wasn't like any sort of like valiant effort they would have had to made. All they would just, just just don't show up. Just don't show up. And they and because of the missing uh, senator from um, one of the Dakotas or Montanas or something, they would not. The Republicans would not have had quorum and could not have done the business that day. That would have been dirty though. Fuck it. Like that's the thing. Like it. Uh, it is a protest. Like all you do is you just go out, hold a big fucking press conference, get all the tension that you can on this, delay the vote one fucking day, come back in and vote no and confirm him like you were going to. I mean, like just there's like what the fuck else were they doing that day? Like what did there, was there a barbecue? Like did I like was there something going on? <laughs> they had to like had to be there. Like did they were their paycheck? Did they pick up their pay? checks david like what the fuck and it's just so strange that it didn't even seem like they were willing to go down swinging on all of this like here's another quick thing too about the about the the kavanaugh thing um when they had the um the day they had uh dr ford and kavanaugh uh, testify on the same day the agreement was apparently that the um you know the prosecutor from uh, from that fucking shithole Arizona County um, that the uh, Arpaio is from, right? She's there, and uh, the agreement was was that she would uh, she would use the Republicans' time to uh, question Dr. Ford and Judge Kavanaugh, which she started to do. And the fucking Democrats, when it was clear that Lindsey Graham was going to throw his hissy fit, and then the rest of them were not going to give their time to her, they didn't even fucking coordinate enough to like let her actually ask difficult questions because it was obvious that she was like trying to pin him down on details on, you know, um, very specific questions about things that have been testified and try to contrast them. And they wouldn't even allow them to do that. It's like, they cannot eat. They have such a limited ability to coordinate even among themselves um, when they can't actually affect something fucking like, like just reasonable. Like, I mean, all they had to do was like, shut, shut up, let her talk. And like, because they had clearly, the Republicans were clearly going to violate the fact that they weren't going to allow the prosecutor to 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 question uh, Kavanaugh. And there's, but it's just all these instances. It's like, God, you know, get some get some blood on your knuckles a little bit here. You know, like there's they're nothing just, about that. They're not a party. They're not a party. And it was interesting because I thought for a while there that Roger Ailes stepping down and essentially recusing himself from life, political, public, etc. Uh, it seemed very likely that. Roger Ailes was sort of the glue of the rhetoric of the Republican Party because the the thing that the Republicans always get right and people people call Republicans stupid because they 
literally don't understand what that word means as far as I can tell. Um, they're incredibly cunning people. <laughs> they're yeah. very smart. Um, that's why they're in power right now, despite having a minority. Um, Roger Ailes, you would assume, as the head of Fox News, was the guy who understood and uh, broadcast the message, coordinated everything's behind the scenes. But that's apparently not true. There's someone else doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and my bet is Newt Gingrich. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have tremendous respect for Newt Gingrich as the man who d- turned party politics into the shit show it is today. And yep. I'll probably actually do a podcast on him because he's a he's a fascinating guy who, for whatever reason, gets totally like swept under the rug most of the time when people are talking. But it's because he's the guy in the back room doing all this conversation. Yeah, I was say, it's probably by design. Yeah. And it's because he's so good at it. Yeah. Like that's that's how good he is at that. The Democrats have no such person. They just they they clearly don't because they talk across each other. All they would have they had all the time they needed to browbeat Kavanaugh. I mean, I I, I buy the I buy uh, Matt Christman's take on this guy was clearly drunk at the time. Um, <laughs> if they had just grilled if they had just grilled him. On the same question two or three times, he would have actually snapped. Mm-hmm. He was on the verge of it. He wasn't even being asked terribly accusatory things at the time. No. He like, asked the daughter of an alcoholic, do you ever get blackout drunk? Like, it's fucking nuts. Like, she had just explained to him that her... It, it, uh, it's unbelievable. And it, the, and again, I don't, I don't want to just harp on that too much because it's just, it's just the latest example of how bad Democrats are at understanding what it takes to get things done. And at least part of that is that they are compromised. They are thoroughly morally compromised by, as I said before, the people who bankroll them. I mean, everyone's been talking relatively recently about getting corporate money out of campaign finance. There's really solid evidence that that matters, that Mm -hmm. that's something we need to actually push for because that money does that that money is making a difference in what these people can stand for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um when someone like hillary clinton gets up on the stump and in her campaign speeches says i'll get you 12 mm-hmm. negotiates her way down in front of a band of blue supporters mm-hmm. can't even go like sure maybe that was all she was going to get maybe she would compromise and sell more of Alaska into the sea in exchange for natural gas. But we get $12 an hour. She couldn't even promise the full 15. Yeah. I think that if, if I can go ahead and jump in, I think there's a few things at play and I wanted to talk like four different times and I wish I was smart enough to That's like fine. bring something to, out write, there. to write down just, on and, and take notes. This is a monologuing podcast. So perfect. Um, so the first thing I want to jump immediately off of what you said with Hillary saying, I can get you 12. So I was reading a lot about um, Hillary's particular style um, just because again, like as someone who was formerly registered Republican and just like completely abandoned the Republican party when it was clear that we were going to have um, a new Loompa, then <laughs> I started like, okay, tell me more about this uh, HRC gal. Mm-hmm. Um so one thing that's really interesting is um, it, it kind of the way that we gender political leadership in a lot of ways, um, in the sense that when you think of a political leader, you often think of a man who's grandstanding and offering these like massive promises. It's like the kid who stands up and says, like, if you vote for me for class president, I'll get you pizza every day. Like, yeah. he's not going to get you pizza, but you're going to remember his name. Mm-hmm. So I think that Hillary hurt herself when she was trying to be so careful um, like I'm the type of person, even in meetings today, like somebody asked, what is our web traffic? And we've had like 
weird stuff going on with mm-hmm. like different vendors, just other stuff. And I said, I don't know. Cause I, I can't even ballpark that number offhand. Mm-hmm. So I think her saying, I'll get you 12. Like that's her saying, like, I will do what I promise. But a lot of people heard like, well, that's not 15. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? So I think it's really interesting when we kind of take into like the grandstanding of Trump and then the, the hedged bets of Hillary into account and then how it affected voters. Cause we tend to like somebody who's going to make those grandiose promises, even if they don't eventually keep them. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that was really interesting um, is something that we've talked about before, David, but just that the the Democratic Party has, has oh, God, so many issues right now. So the three that jump out to me, one of them is I think we have a lot of different senators that are trying to make a 2020 run. Like, I think we've got a lot of senators that are taking these big newsworthy opportunities and trying to stand out from the crowd. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of getting like, Again, they're like, oh, who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Is it Cory Booker? Is it Kamala Harris? And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I've I've loved them. I've loved watching them just like go do their thing. Mm-hmm. Avenatti think- 2020. Yeah. <laughs> oh, turn it out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we just have a lot of senators that are trying to be like the 2020 superstar, um, which is really interesting. And we've had, because the, um, I, I'm sure you've talked about this in a previous podcast, the Overton window, since mm-hmm. it's being pushed so far to the right, mm-hmm. we have a lot of people that are jumping ship from the Democratic Party, hey and a lot are jumping ship from the Republicans, sorry, and aligning with the Democrats. So we've got this like big amorphous glob that is not only compromised, as you said, because they won't get their knuckles dirty because they have to play within the set mm-hmm. of rules they've given themselves. Like that side might not, but we will. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to get down and play dirty. But now they're also trying to appease moderates they're trying to appease moderate conservatives who might have jumped ship or Mm. changed their party affiliation and then people who are on the very far left so it's going to be incredibly hard for them to get anything done with all of those factors at play Mm -hmm. it's the like too many leaders and not enough like not enough people that are actually willing to organize so it's really interesting to see what's happening because it is the majority but it's also kind of a it, it doesn't have a center it doesn't have like a direction and it's it's a majority in the least meaningful way it's why every time someone brings up that hillary won the majority of the vote it's just a blatant demonstration of how how little those people understand about how power works mm-hmm. so it, it's we are not a straight democracy that's not that's not how this works mm-hmm. well, and, and it, it's it's frustrating too because you know when when you know so i'm on you know I do politics twitter and i follow a lot of politics accounts on twitter and and media accounts, and you know the one, the refrain you keep hearing, oh, usually in all caps, is uh, like "Don't get angry, vote." Don't get angry, vote. And I, uh, this, this, the simplicity of this is what's problematic too. So I had students today, um, you know, talking about like, well, what should we do if we want information? What should we do if we want to kind of communicate? Um, and I, I just wrote groups on the board. I just write like join groups of people, like actual, actual human fucking beings. You know, like meet with them, talk with them. Um, find something, find something that's important to you and join and find like-minded people who are interested in doing the same thing. And that is the only way that we will be able to establish the, the networks, um, the ability to actually establish across lines where we're at, because I mean, the main problem with voting, uh, is that, and I'll go, I'm, I pulled this up for uh, a link as well. Um, in the state of Ohio, there are 16 congressional districts. Uh, not a single one of them was decided by uh, less than a 19-point margin in the last congressional election. The closest one was 50, uh, was 58-42. That was the closest one. Damn. Everything else. I mean, Republican, Democrat didn't matter. Uh, by the way, it's uh, 12 Republican, 4 Democrats. Um, 
So, Naturally. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 12, 12 Republicans, four Democrats, all of them, all of them decided uh, by the greater than 17 point margin in the in the votes. So even voting doesn't fucking matter, right? You're more than likely, if you're a Democrat, you're already in a district that's probably represented by a Democrat. And so the notion of how we have to organize and make demands, um, this is why I'm kind of like excited. Uh, and this is what I get a little frustrated with by like, you know, moderate people. Um, because it's one of those things when, you know, even as I'm, you know, working at work, uh, organizing at work, um, it's to the point now where it's like, how, how can you not have a fucking side? You know, how can you not, how can you, how are you, can you remain neutral through all of this, um, and not really feel compelled or have a compunction that something, um, something needs to change fundamentally in the way that things are happening. Mm -hmm. We can disagree about like, you know, like abolishing the Senate, for example, like I'm in favor. I think it's, I think it'd be a great fucking idea. Pack um, those courts. Yes, exactly. Like a, a 15 person had good, good in the 1930s. Good today, David. And like, I'm just, um, but I'm, I'm so struck by how, um, how, how powerful the tendency to want someone else to do something for you is among people even still today. Um, and so the idea of just like voting, it's not, it's, it is entirely not enough. It is about trying to, you know, organize for better lead, for better drawn districts in every single state. Uh, it is about organizing and being able to apply protest pre uh, pressure and power. Um, and the one thing I hate, the one thing I fucking hate is posts, essays about like fucking decorum, you know, about like, you know, well, don't yell at Ted Cruz in a, in a, in a, in a restaurant. Like, no, Ted Cruz should be yelled at and mocked whenever you see him. And the idea that, that somehow not mocking him and treating him cordially uh, will somehow lead him to the path to compromise is simply not true, right? Like knowing that he can do what he does in polite society and get away with it is why he's been fucking doing it. It's why he shut down the government in 2013 on his fucking own in order to repeal healthcare for 25 million Americans. Like, like what, what he needs to be derided. He needs to be shown that, that there are groups in society that will not accept his intolerance and his extreme and his extremeness in those positions. And you will not move him over if he has refuge by just people being polite and say like, well, I just disagree with the man, uh, but I'd never say anything to his face. And it's like, no, like, like <laughs> that's because every position Ted Cruz holds is entirely kosher within the institutional framework he is working in. Mm -hmm. He is not, he is not above or below the law in denying anyone health care or causing massive exigence from every district he is like there is there is nothing keeping ted cruz from being a complete piece of shit mm -hmm. in the way in which he performs mm -hmm. because the institutions allow that you have to operate somewhat super institutionally to affect those things if you can't vote him out of office which you can't mm -hmm. unless beto o'rourke figures it out we'll oh three we'll points see. three points away Come on, man. Get across that line. Well, Come on. He's got the money. Yeah, look, if money means anything. <laughs> Just ask Mitt Romney. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, and that's, of course, the problem. Yeah. So that was that was something else earlier when you talked about, like, um, OpenSecrets.org, which I actually, I have used that in marketing before, mm -hmm. but that's another conversation. For marketing? Uh, yes. That's dangerous. Um, so... <laughs> um, one of the things that, that was super interesting was you brought up, like, the one differentiator Pelosi had from McConnell and... Um, it it just brought me to. Do you guys remember one of one of the many like hot water incidents Elon Musk has found himself in mm -hmm. in the past like few months or so? And one of them was uh, somebody got really mad because they were like 
Tesla donates to, um, you know, the GOP. Tesla mm-hmm. donates to major Republican. And he got on Twitter and he was like, everyone does it. Everyone does it mm-hmm. to Democrats and Republicans. Like, Absolutely. you yeah. gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to survive, like as a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there, there's this big idea in business now. And the um, Elon Musk kind of highlights, David, what you were talking about. Um, but there's, there's this really interesting thing happening with, uh, with social media and how there's, how there's a big, change in how we're interacting with with everyone with our elected officials with um, with each other with brands um, social media has got this like weird power all on its own and everything that happened with Nike is is showing that a lot of uh, younger generations Millennials Gen Z they're making choices with companies that they believe reflect their values. Mm-hmm. So you saw a lot of people saying like, oh, we're going to boycott Nike. It's like, great. You're the person who buys one pair of discounted sneakers from a shoe carnival every three years. <laughs> like, I'm sure they're really going to miss your like 12 bucks or whatever they get from that. Um, and moreover, Nike would absolutely have done none of what it did. I, why am I not remembering the guy's name? Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Kaepernick. Because yeah. you hate uh, sports, David. Yeah, so that's <laughs> look. I have I have plenty of cover for why I don't know his name, um, but I do know I, I do know enough about all of the scuttlebutt to know that uh, Nike was sponsoring him for years prior mm-hmm. to putting his mug on a particular picture. Nike yeah. did that because they're a cold-hearted business and Phil Knight's a genius. Yeah. So if they weren't going to make money doing that, they would not have done it. Correct. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's the whole thing where people want to have the idealistic idea. Or that was redundant but um they want to believe that these corporations are like making making the right choice or they're making the choice that has like more humanity more morals behind it we know at the end of the day they're just trying to like stay in the game and make another buck like that's what businesses do sure but at the same time if staying in the game and making another buck means they have to like bake into their mission statement or part of their brand like things that are or ideas or opinions that are more liberal or more conservative then i think we're also going to see a slight shift in some of the donating that goes forward. And I think that part is going to take a very long time. But I do think, and I might be just hoping at this point because the world is on fire, um, <laughs> I, I hope that um, that buying power shifting will be able to kind of help. I don't know if it's just going to like be part of something that takes everything down and then something has to come back up or mm-hmm. if it's going to like help us find a new party somewhere that's like not as crazy is where the right is right now mm-hmm. i don't know but i definitely think it's another factor to consider and i think it's one that um i i know i'm not going to be arian enough to say i understand but i think it's definitely something to pay attention to well i mean the people who unambiguously hate kaepernick for everything that he's done represent 30 percent of the population and the majority of them don't play sports anymore correct so it makes sense that nike is not catering to them yeah um at the same time um, it, it falls into Zizek called this cultural capula- capitalism, I think. It mm-hmm. was, uh, he was talking about Starbucks at the time, like the idea that you can feel good about being a consumer of Starbucks because they recycle the paper and they treat their employees mm-hmm. well and all of this nonsense. And it's not the, – the obvious protest to that is the, um, is, is the sentiment that there's no such thing as conscientious consumerism, mm-hmm. which to be fair – I'm not really a fan of that concept. I think it is entirely possible to vote with your dollar. It's not, it's not that that means nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do perpetuate a system that is kind of fucked up, but I'm also, you know, I, I've listened to a lot of Chapo episodes. I'm on Richard Wolff's team. I don't think capitalism is going anywhere. I think the closest we can get to this, and it's sort of been my position, my alternative position to libertarianism, has sort of morphed to being um, 
to make it unprofitable to be a bad person. Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of the model we have to go for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, is to make it so that you can't make money doing things that don't deserve, that that should not be done on some sort of socially external level. Um yeah. but I mean and Nike is responding to pressures in exactly that way because if they had done something like dropped Kaepernick mm-hmm. They would have sold less shoes. Mm-hmm. And though it sucks that that's the measure we have to use for whether or not that's a moral thing, um, we'll work with what we've got. And that's what we've got right now, mm-hmm. at least until we vote substantially more people in and out of office. Which, um, speaking of which, do we want to get to the ballot or does anyone have get any? To the ballots. All right. Let's cover the ballot. Now, David and I are in different districts, but we won't let that stop us. <laughs> Despite living down the street yeah, from one I live, another. Yeah, I, I live a block and a half from the fucker. It's Wait, no really? North Carolina, but oh. holy shit. What? I didn't, I didn't, okay, that's kind of funny that yeah. you guys are in different districts. Yeah. No, it splits right down right down the road right? that we drive, that I drive down to see, get, a, get to his place. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Across, across the street is a different district. Eastwood You're is a different kidding. quality of product as far as the government's concerned. <laughs> yeah. Wait, isn't this all the same subdivision? You'd think so. Yeah. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> Never stopped him before. <laughs> so dumb. So, yeah, if you want to hear the bullshit on that, we did do an episode on North Carolina's uh, gerrymandering fun. And uh, I Gold. wanted I wanted to do North one... Car- North Carolina, fucking vicious in North Carolina, man. That's unbelievable. Some, that's some good stuff. Uh, that's is. where my family's from. So when you asked, how are you, Republican? Like, you know, yeah. woohoo. Yeah. Very, very specific slices of North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably in one of the the spiral districts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was it was a good time. Um, so I've got the ballot here. We'll try to be brief about this since it only really applies to Florida, and I don't know how many of our listeners are from Florida, but we're gonna go through it, and I think there's plenty of <laughs> there's plenty of themes yes. in what we're gonna talk about that I think will apply to many people, so that's fine. Uh, starting from the top, United States Senator, vote for one. Rick Scott or Bill Nelson? Ryan, Easy. take it away. Easy choice here, right? You've got uh, Red Tide, Ridiculous Rick on the uh, Republican side. <laughs> um, you know, why not Why not give the um, the wart on Voldemort's ass another shot at uh, glory? Um, or you could go with Bill Nelson. Uh, he's been in space, so he's got that going for him. And as long as the fucker votes for Medicare for All, I'll continue to support him. That's Hashtag Red Tide Rick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, Rick Scott looks as evil as he is, which makes it even easier. I don't really know why they can't take a better picture of him. I mean, I mean if 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 not doing anything and making little mistakes counts for anything in the world, it's no wonder Rick Scott's a fucking millionaire, but I guess <laughs> I guess that's what we have to deal with in this state. All right, representative for Congress District 9, Ryan, I don't know if you got that. I got one. District 7, so you got 9. Who All you got right, that? I got 9. I got uh Wayne Libnitsky and Darren Soto and my notes for here. Darren Soto voted against the Securing America's Future Act of 2018, so I'm going with him because yep. I don't believe in securing America's future. I'd rather just like facilitate it in some capacity. So, For those yeah. of you who don't know, the Securing America's Future Act is as fucking dystopian in reality as it sounds. Um, it was the funding the border wall, shutting down, not merely like Chad and Libya, but a variety of other African and Middle Eastern countries. Uh, it's just a shitty bill. Yep. So Darren Soto wins. Um, so Ryan, got, what do you have? So I got uh, Mike Miller and Stephanie Murphy. <laughs> Stephanie Murphy beat uh, John Micah out of his uh, 
uh, out of his um, district. And remember, we had the um, redistricting that happened because of the constitutional amendment that was passed in, I think, 2010 or 2012. Um, and they, um, you know, they had to draw the districts a little bit differently. So, um, Micah, God, he's been in Congress. He was in Congress forever. Uh, Stephanie Murphy, what we could consider a national security Democrat in the scare quotes. Um, (laughs) you know, she has like all kinds of stupid shit that, I mean, she's a Democrat, but she has like the, um, uh, we don't get, she supports the, if we don't get pay, if we don't pass a budget, then we don't get our paychecks. That's so stupid. Like just pass a continuing resolution. It'll be okay. Um, you know, but she has this like, you know, like the like fiscally responsible type of Democrat. And then she was in the military. So, you know, she's all, you know, um, you know, she'll vote to increase the, the uh, defense budget and stuff like that. But once again, if she votes for Medicare for all I'll, uh, I'll vote for her. So that's uh, good to me. All right, cool. Uh, representative district 50 is the other one I have on here. Uh, I have no notes on either of them. So vote for whoever you want, but probably Pam Dershka just because she's a Democrat. And again, for, for reasons already stated on principle, anyone who's still a Republican in this day and age is probably not worth voting. Yeah. So for. you got coach P right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Coach P. So, um, coach P voted for the, um, the bill to allow concealed carry onto college campuses. Oh, never mind. Uh, she has my vote. Yeah. So I was a little frustrated by that. So I, I, I mailed it. <laughs> I, uh, I emailed him. I wrote him a letter uh, saying, I noticed you didn't fucking uh, approve it for high schools because he's an, he's a high school teacher. He teaches at uh, colonial high school where I was dual enrolled uh, at the time. When Amazing. I was dual enrolled class. So I was like, well, I noticed you didn't approve it for your workplace, but thank you for approving it for my workplace. Uh, you salty fuck. So, um, outstanding. Oh, who's, yeah. who's your other state rep? Oh, so I've got. Sorry, Mal. Do you have something to add to this? He sucks. Yeah, he's good stuff. Yeah, he's good <laughs> what stuff. an asshole. Um, so I got 49, um, and this is uh, Ben Griffith and uh, Carlos Guillermo Smith. Uh, Carlos Smith has been out to several events that I've been to. Um, he's a stand up guy, and I can't wait to vote for him. So, uh, so it looks good. All right. Uh, governor's race. We have uh, Ron DeSantis and Andrew Gillum. Uh, that would be Gillum, probably, I'm so, going to guess. Oh, man. So I have been lucky enough to meet uh, Gillum twice in person um, and had, some, had a few minutes to talk, chat with him and um, had some time to speak in a, in a um, you know, kind of like a, a group setting. And I got to tell you, um, we had talked before about power. Um, you know, Andrew Gillum, I think one of the reasons I really backed him uh, in the in the governor's race early on um, was I do think he understands power. I think he is clearly um, has a has a goal for why winning the governor's race now is important. Um, wh- the position that puts uh, a Democrat in for 2020 and 2022 in this state when we will be redistricting, which I think um, especially especially at the House and uh, the Florida House and the Florida Senate level, the, uh, the the 120 districts and the 40 districts for the Florida legislature yeah. uh, definitely need some retooling. Um, the Supreme Court really kind of punted it down uh, the road, so to speak. Um, and I think that there is some some gains to be made in the Florida House. And he had a fucking plan for this. He was clearly aware that this was important. Um, and I don't think he is like spiteful about it either. Uh, he talks about it in terms of rebalancing, um, uh, you know, that the fact that we have uh, a majority of registered Democrats in this state and yet still never seem to be able to go over the hump on these things um, really seem to come through uh, and he has my support because I think he is sharp, talented, um, and a boatload of charisma. And um, I think that's all there needs to be said with that. All right. Well, let me play devil's avocado here real quick. Sure. Uh, so Ron DeSantis. <laughs> Ron DeSantis. Uh, who you'll know is the understudy for the uh, Tucker Carlson show. Yes. Um, <laughs> Bow ties in the mail, I heard. So, so here is the magic... But not only does he have Trump's vote, but he actually he corresponds with Trump in another very critical way. Um, and this is a paraphrase from I forget which website. I don't have it written here. Um, 
the average net worth of Republican representatives as of 2012 was uh, $6.9 million. Mm-hmm. Ron DeSantis's uh, net worth in the last two years has been estimated at negative $36,000. Oh, my goodness. Which makes him a man of the people. In the same way Trump is, <laughs> so I think that's gonna I think that's gonna work for him. Uh, not quite as much as being a competent and morally unassailable sans Nigeria candidate like Gillum, but you know nobody's perfect. Um, <laughs> the other person I want to call out in the governor's race is Bruce Stanley, who has uh, earned an associate degree in computer animation from Full Sail University in 2004, and he has an amazing like. He's such a dork. I have a picture of him right here. I'll pull it over. Let's see this guy. Like, you don't even need to see it too close, but it's just, it's the right kind of picture. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. He looks like he needs to be like in a Harry Potter film. So, so the only reason I can't make more fun of him is because that's exactly, I mean, it's not exactly what I would have looked like, but, uh, I, when I found out that it only costs like six grand to run for governor, I almost did it. <laughs> I was very tempted to do it, but my strategy, instead of trying to look like I'm in a Tanqueray commercial, I was going to go. <laughs> I was I was going to do I was going to do a campaign website where it was just me sleeping in different places because I felt I felt like that was the right like you can be comfortable with someone who can be comfortable anywhere. Excellent, and yeah. I can sleep. I can sleep anywhere. Awesome. I can make that before you before you go on, just something, and I'm, I really want to hear Ryan's take on this. Yeah. Sorry, Davy. Um, That's fine. I have no political experience whatsoever. Ryan has a degree in it. So. Yeah, I was going to say thank you for spending time with two unqualified people. That's what I do. Um, so, um, I was actually really surprised that um, DeSantis won over Putnam. Yeah, I, I was really surprised, mostly at the. The amount of power the Department of Agriculture has is just staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, I felt like the the rhetoric that Putnam had and the first debate, mm-hmm. it, it was one on Fox News that I watched between DeSantis and, and Putnam. And it was right. it was like a, a horrifying thing that was way too early for Halloween. Yeah. But it happened. Um, but he just he seemed to like have the Trumpian rhetoric like way more down. So I mm-hmm. was really shocked that he didn't win. Um, it, it was. Absolutely. Um, it, the weird thing is, uh, you know, his establishment cred uh, really kind of held him back um, in the sense that it didn't get him a lot of money. Um, I mean, he was. I mean, it was weird that he got outraised by DeSantis overall as well. And um, you know, when the signals from the White House came down that you know DeSantis was Trump's guy, um, I mean, that's what we. That's one of the things about why they're even if you are a moderate, um, why you can't vote Republican is because it's it's Trump's party now. And, you know, Putnam was clearly the next in line, um, but that just doesn't fly anymore. Like, I think the, the situation within the Republican Party is so fluid uh, that that was what the case was. And DeSantis, I mean, he can't walk away from Trump now, right? Like, he, he is Trump's guy. He's I mean, Trump's boy. Yeah. And regardless of how many vanilla ads he puts out now, um, you know, the, the plastered, you know, build the wall, Susie, you know, baby Trump kind of thing, the, that commercial, which is so hilarious. Um, that is him now. I don't think he can run from that. And um so he's he's got to commit, and uh, uh, but no, he he, DeSantis, he cultivated that really well. I'll be honest with you, the 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 timing, the strategy, um, you know, the the challenge was all very calculated, um, and it was some. I mean, it was impressive if he wasn't so malign. I mean, um, I mean, the day after he wins the primary, you know, is when he the oh. famous quote he goes on Fox News in the morning uh, and says that we can't monkey this up in it and um you know that was um fucking classic yeah, just just blatant dog whistle classic yeah. Florida politics here i mean it was like it was 52 all over again you know and it was um it was really ridiculous and um 
and like you said, just, I think just classically disgusting in that way. And, um, and the idea that this was like, um, you know, this was the first Fox interview after the part, uh, after the primary win that was, I can't, I cannot buy that that wasn't intentional. I just can't, yeah. buy, I cannot buy it. No, I, I don't think most people with like a, a, a brain can really buy mm-hmm. that. And I know that's like a, a hugely judgmental statement for me to say, but I mean, it's one of those things that like, I think the most hilarious thing to me after that was people who clearly didn't know what dog whistle meant trying to use that again later <laughs> against a Democrat who said something kind of like weird to a Republican. They were like, mm-hmm. this is a dog whistle. I'm like, I don't think yeah, you know, know what those words mean. <laughs> no, I'll be more charitable. You're not being stupid. You're being evil. Please yeah. stop it. Um, <laughs> and just just since we already, we're, we're already sort of in a tangent, um, and it's something we didn't bring up at the top, there's a concept of a never-Trump Republican. Um, the New York Times and the Washington Post employ the majority of them at this point. <laughs> um I want you to think through once you get past the fact that what Trump says literally is incredibly inane. Mm-hmm. If a Republican has genuinely opposed what Trump seems to be for ideologically, just mm-hmm. food for thought. If you if you're under the impression that Trump for some reason represents some aberration, um, and I'll give you a hint: Trump's approval rating among Republicans is almost ninety percent. There is literally one. Mm-hmm. president ever to have an approval rating that high with their party. And it was Reagan. Yeah. He's the only person who is more likable to Republicans than Trump. They like Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump does in fact speak for Republicans. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we have, um, Soon to be Dennis Quaid. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Attorney General, uh, I have Ashley Moody uh, and Sean Shaw. Um, Ashley Moody is a University of Florida alum, and as one of those, I can tell you, you should not vote for her. Yeah. Um, she is also from these like this like weird you know facility where they cocoon these uh, fairly attractive and you know like a uh, kind of like you know department store catalog kind of way you know women, and um, they've, they've clearly hatched her from somewhere. Um, and it is impressive. Um, Sean Shaw is um, uh, wants uh, to uh, begin to reduce uh, minimum mandatory sentencing for uh, low-level drug crimes and things like that, and also um, wants to get rid of um, of uh, punitive financial penalties for lower-level crimes as well. So um, I think this is a good step all around. That sounds pretty cool. good. Uh, Chief Financial Officer, I have Jimmy Petronas and Jerry Ring. I didn't find anything entertaining about them. Vote for Jeremy Ring because he's the Democrat. Um, <laughs> Department of Agriculture, which is a strangely powerful position yes. in this state, um, is Matt Caldwell and Nicole Nikki Freed. Mm-hmm. Um Matt Caldwell is running for the commissioner of agriculture because he can't be a Florida representative anymore because yes. he hit the term limit. Um, but he's uh, not only is he a Republican, his religion is Church of Christ, which that's not trying. <laughs> Church of Christ. <laughs> fucking get out of here with that. Sounds good. Uh, sheriff. A uh, bunch of people. I didn't even bother looking them up. Uh, John Oliver hasn't done a segment on any of them, so I assume they're all fine. Yes. <laughs> uh, Supreme Court Justice uh, Alan Lawson uh, didn't show up in the latest episode of Serial, which has actually been pretty good. It fell off in season two when they did Bo Bergdahl, who's clearly actually a piece of shit, so following him seemed a little strange. Season three, they seem to understand that 
the, the this American life thing, not to accidentally go on a tangent about this, I could talk for eight hours about, but Ira Glass and his ilk have this obsession with talking about morally, ethically, culturally poignant things that culminate in saying, shrug. <laughs> <laughs> and I fucking hate all those people for that, and I wish they would defund NPR. But um, <laughs> Serial has thankfully taken up some... They've taken some degree of backbone into this um, in the latest season. And so far, I mean, they just, they basically follow um, Cleveland court proceedings. So it was the odds that Alan Lawson or Eric Eisnaugel, who's the appellate judge who's up for. Uh, yes. Uh, neither of them came up. So I assume they're fine. So we can keep them in power until someone else tries to vote them out. Uh, circuit judge, board of county commissioner. I don't have anything funny or poignant to say about any of these people. I assume they're all fine. Uh, school board member, which doesn't seem like it should be an appointed position. So I, I will have a bone to pick though about some of these here. So um, we, uh, how about the soil and water conservation district supervisor? Oh, I, that, hang on. I get, we'll have to schedule five minutes for that. Uh, <laughs> but we've got, um, so I have a bone to pick with nonpartisan elections primarily, especially for actual government offices that aren't like judgeships, which I think should be partisan as well. Um, so I think the problem with nonpartisan elections is that um, so if you actually go to these websites for people like, you know, uh, four judges, uh, four school board members and four co uh, county commissioners, um, the problem is that they um, end up becoming the most vanilla sanguine nonsense on their websites. Right. There becomes like no actual information because in a nonpartisan election the essential strategy is to like not offend people. And how do you not offend people? Easy. You take no position on anything, right? <laughs> the so, John Huntsman strategy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so these people are just total milk toast, right? They're just like, it's like, well, there's, you know, I have a family and I believe that America should remain a land of opportunity for everyone, you know? And the real problem solvers. Oh, fucking A, man. And it's like, like Jesus Christ, like, can you just, you know, can, can you, could you just let me know what you would do about the, pro about property taxes? And they're like, you know, like, this is not my, an issue I'm willing to take a position on at not the moment. Not my department. Yeah, exactly. And it's so fucking frustrating. So, um, ban, uh, ban no nonpartisan elections as they should be because, you know, these people have agendas. Okay, uh, that's all the that's all the nominations. I'm done that's with all them. the races. I'm done with them. Um, amendments. Um, for the most part, Ryan, you can state our general position on amendments here. Four and no more, you sorry bastards. Four and no more. So the basic principle here is that the Constitution of Florida does not need most of these things because they should be laws. Yes. The, the fact that they're being written into the body that is supposed to guide further legislation is kind of ridiculous. We're going to go through them, though, because there's a lot of entertaining little tidbits inside them, uh, handful of nuggets. Uh, there are quite a few of them, so we'll try to be brief about each one of them. But the first one is called the Increased Homestead Property Tax Exemption Amendment. Oh, my God. Proposing an amendment to the state constitution to increase the homestead exemption by exempting the assessed valuation of homestead property greater than 100000 and up to $125,000. Why are you guys so afraid of paying taxes on your fucking houses? <laughs> oh, it is. And so I've been, I've been looking up some research as well. Um, this goes into effect... Um, this goes into effect next fucking year, like yeah. January 1st this year, which means that this essentially impacts budgets for local governments beginning the next fiscal year in 2019. Literally right now. Yeah. Like this. They're writing them. And yeah. so this is the thing. It's like this, uh, the estimates I saw that this could cut 
$560 million from local governments in the state of Florida in one in one year. Ooh. This is fucking just, this is one, once again, this is conservatism veiled uh, policies. This is basically saying that like we want our, your local governments to do less. And so we'll just starve them out because local governments can't float their operational budgets through, you know, borrowing money like other governments can as well. It's fucking, it's fucking ridiculous. Local government's going to come up a handful of times. And Mal, again, in case you're not aware of how the format goes, um, and I, I understand since plenty of people have put out memes that you seem to, there was an amazing meme <laughs> Sam sent you about how to not seem threatening to male coworkers. Yes. And oh. I know you adhere to like seven of the nine things reflexively. Yeah. Yeah, but just, just interrupt us. Yeah, you can just okay. yell at us. We don't. So um, one thing that I will say, just to add like what little spice I can to this conversation, Woo. is that I am on floridachamber.com, where it's A states- commercial website. <laughs> yes. Not even .org. Um, <laughs> not even .net. Come on, guys. But floridachamber.com, and it shows what the Florida Chamber position is. So after... Ryan, you mm-hmm. give a rant about all of the crappy amendments they have. I can tell you what the Florida Chamber is, and I can tell you it's more than four. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> yeah. So, Amendment 1 right now, Florida Chamber position is neutral. you got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, there is there's this incredible ire about that. And t- to be fair, from a purely cultural perspective, Florida is enticing because the taxes are low. We have no state income tax. Mm -hmm. And the way that we get away with that is that our property taxes are comparatively high. Mm -hmm. That's that's where the money comes in. That and tolls on our many glorious highways. Rent is pretty high, too. Like, for for where we are and what we get, rent is, like, stupid. That's baked into the property tax. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Yeah, no, it's, uh, look, like, all all residents... C- contribute to that pot, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the, like you said, the, the the burden that we kind of bear in this overall uh, perspective too. I mean, I you know I would like both property tax and income tax, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, but but that's the thing: the money does come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's that's always the lie when you introduce these thousand of exemptions. Speaking of which. Amendment number two, limitations on property tax assessments. Proposing an amendment to the state constitution to permanently retain provisions currently in effect which limit property tax assessment increases on specified non-homestead real property except for school district taxes to 10% each year. That is a lot of verbiage. And A, it shouldn't be a constitutional amendment. But B, I don't really care if your property ends up being worth substantially more in the future. And it's not even a homestead exemption, which, Mm -hmm. to be clear, in Florida, to have a homestead exemption, you have to just own one house. Yeah. It only this this amendment only matters to people who own multiple houses mm-hmm. or apartments or vacation homes. Well, this, so this is the thing too: is that if if improvements are made on the property that increase the value, this is essentially slows that increase in value over time. Is that what this is? That's correct. This encourages construction, basically. Okay, gotcha. Which I'm also opposed to because I already own a house, and that's very selfish of me. But that's fine. <laughs> Moving on. Florida Chamber supports, by the way. Sure, of oh, course. Yeah. Oh no, that was beautiful. There's a um. If if you go to the uh, the League of Women Voters for Florida mm-hmm. and the the Florida Chamber of Commerce, they're they're basically exactly the opposite on everything. Oh, oh yeah, it's amazing. They're, they're actually on NPR a lot. I can believe that. Hang on one second. They do slightly more than shrug. Figure out what my phone's doing. And we're back with Constitutional Amendment Number Three: Voter Control of Gambling in Florida. This amendment ensures that Florida voters shall have the exclusive right to decide whether to authorize casino gambling by requiring that in order for casino gambling to be authorized under Florida law, holy shit is that wordy, it must be approved by Florida voters pursuant to some article. Um, So this is actually probably a good idea. 
um, in the grand scheme of things, but it should also probably be a law instead of a constitutional amendment. So it's once again in this weird gray area. Um, I'm I'm technically probably in favor of that instead of letting legislation dictate whether or not there is gambling of one form or another in Florida, particularly considering that we we have one of the most profligate uh, lottery systems in the country at this point. There's plenty of gambling in Florida. If you want to if you want to blow your paycheck on gambling. It, there's plenty of options already. They're just not slot machines. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida Chamber supports Amendment 3? Of course. Naturally. Um, oh, no, that agrees with me. That's strange. Okay, whatever. Moving <laughs> 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 um, Number four, voting restoration amendment. This comes to a uh, hobby horse of many people for a very good reason. This amendment restores the voting rights of Floridians with felony convictions. We'll stop right there. Um, if you're a felon and you're convicted and you do time and you get out of jail, you should be able to vote. That's a very basic ethical precept. I, it, the, the whole point of serving time is that you served and you're mm-hmm. done. Like you, you should be reinstated as a citizen. Yeah. And you know, you might've done something horrific when you were younger and maybe, or maybe not blackout. And you know, that shouldn't ruin your chances of being able to be on the Supreme court. Damn it. <laughs> sure. As long as you're not an asshole. <laughs> when I don't know. Are you, when you're brazenly denying it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but for me too, you know, like why I think this, um, why this is the only amendment I'm voting for is because I think that uh, the, the, the right place for this is when to, you know, you know, you should vote yes when there are two factors. One, uh, politicians themselves are too chicken, chicken chicken shit to do it to do it on their own, right? And so this is why we we we've seen like you know legal recreational marijuana uh, virtually only been legalized through voter referendums, right? Through direct voter uh, approval process, and only in name. Yes. Well, that's the thing. Like the the only state that has legalized recreational ca- uh, cannabis um, through this through the state legislature was Vermont, and they just. Uh, legalized personal use. They didn't legalize uh, the commercial side of legalization. So even when they fucking had an opportunity to legalize it, they, you know, did a fucking half measure in goddamn Vermont. Like, Vermont. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, A state no one has ever cared about. Yeah. But the, I think, <laughs> even people who live there. Yeah. But the thing is that, like, the other reason, and the other qualification why, uh, why you should vote on certain amendments is that when a required buy-in by the public is a, is an important step here, right? Like I think that this would be a, an important gesture uh, and a, an important symbol for voters to approve number four, uh, constitutional limit number four, right? By a, by a super majority, right? By 60% or larger, what it would take to pass. Um, I think that this would be a good signal and a good sign um, for voters to approve this amendment. Um, and those are really the only two things that I'm in favor of, right? When it, when politicians won't do it on their own goddamn volition um, and the public buy-in is an important political step towards achieving that goal. And I think that this qualifies on both counts, in my unhumble opinion. Well, and that, that follows very much into constitutional amendment um, that the things that legislators are not going to vote for are the things that change the dynamic of the voting culture because the people who are currently in office got there under the present voting culture. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Florida Chamber is neutral. Oh, you've, oh my God. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Amazing. Number five, supermajority vote required oh. to impose, authorize, or raise state oh. taxes or fees. Oh. Ryan, you have the floor. So this, the, okay, um, why, why, why only raising them? Why not a supermajority to cut taxes? Right. Like so, this is the hor- this is how you know this is horseshit. Is that there is no notion that 
the opposite precept requires the same amount of compromise for the buy-in, right? Like the idea is not, well, if we are going to take such important steps towards fiscal responsibility, we should have that consensus and compromise to get there. No, it's just fuck you. It's just raising them, right? Like cutting them. No, I mean, all you need is a simple majority of any jackass in, you know, in a blue suit to come by and handle it. And that's just, that's just horseshit. I mean, it's just, it's just horseshit. And essentially allowing this to go forward uh, is basically crippling your government's ability to do fucking anything. I mean, that's all, that's all it is because at some point, um, you know, taxes might need to be raised. Nobody wants to hear that, but at some point taxes might have to be raised. Um, and, uh, this would be an important step to do so. Um, but it's hypocritical bullshit nonsense. Um, and anyone who votes for this is a sucker. That's all I gotta say. Florida chamber supports. Yeah, of course they do. Fuck those people. (laughs) Amazing. Number six rights of crime victims, judges. Uh, this one is interesting. This is our first log roller. Oh God. Creates constitutional rights for victims of crime. You know, that sounds great. I don't, what does, what does that mean? Required, just keep moving. Requires courts to facilitate victims' rights. I don't know what that means. (laughs) Authorizes victims to enforce their rights throughout criminal and juvenile justice processes. What does that mean? Requires judges and hearings officers to independently interpret statutes and rules rather than deferring to government agencies' interpretation. Yeah. Who'd want a professional law enforcement officer's opinion? <laughs> Raise mandatory retirement age of state justice and not judged by the 70 to 75 years. Um, anyway, uh, deletes authorization to complete judicial term if one half of term has been served by retirement age. That's a doozy so 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 this um this is beautiful so log rolling as many of you will probably know it in its original form pork barreling that has to do with a budget this has to do with law log rolling is when you introduce an amendment that say i don't know asserts victims ability to enforce their rights also Increases the mandatory retirement age for justices and deletes authorization to complete judicial. T- like this, this amendment has like eight things in it. Two of which are loopholes that corporations would use uh, mm-hmm. based on things that I actually read after the fact. Because this, this, this should not have even made it onto the page. Yes, because this, this does not accurately describe what this does. Um, this, this should have violated in the same way. Um, it's not like they don't do due diligence. Um, amendment number eight failed yes. uh, because it did not meet this requirement. This summary does not explain what this amendment does. No. Um, and any amendment that is that confusing should not be on this ballot. Yeah. And you definitely, definitely should not vote for it. Well, I mean, it, it, like you said, it doesn't even pass the smell test. I mean, what does <laughs> any of this actually do? Right, like restores voting rights to people who have served their felony convictions that aren't murderers and sexual offenders. Fucking great! Like I know what this will now do, right? Mm-hmm. But like this, this yeah, is, that's it, number four. Yeah, this is oh my god! But like, oh, it, and I, get, I also asked Patrick just in case, and he basically said that um, it it reinforces the ability of victims to do things they're already totally capable of doing, which is the other red flag for most forms of verbiage, either at a constitutional or even legislative level, is that it's like. Well, it just basically says things we already said, and no one is interested politically in passing legislation that does things we already have law for. Yeah. You know, I hate saying follow the money because it's really easy, but. Follow the money. Yeah. Sometimes the the easiest answer is the right one. (laughs) Um, Florida Chamber is uh, neutral. Really? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. Must not like the judges very much. (laughs) 
Number seven, first responder and military member survivor benefits, public colleges and universities. I don't know what those two have to do with each other. Grants mandatory payment of death benefits and waiver of certain educational expenses to qualifying survivors of certain first. I love the use of certain twice in one sentence. First responders and military members who die performing official duties require supermajority votes by university trustees and state university system board of governors to raise or impose all legislatively authorized fees if law requires approval by these bodies. Weird. That doesn't seem to have anything to do with first responders and military members. <laughs> and then establishes existing state college system as constitutional entity provides governance structure. Amazing. So unbelievable. Even if even <laughs> even if this made sense in piecemeal, which it doesn't, um, federal dispensation for first responders and military members already exists. So mm-hmm. this would just be adding a state burden to that. Um, and universities cost too much, but you know they should be able to raise or impose fees if they really need to. I don't think adding a supermajority through the literal constitution of the state makes a whole lot of sense. So um, yeah, that's probably a no. So this amendment, along with nine, have a little asterisk on this website, and it says at the time of this printing, these amendments were subject to litigation, and the Florida Supreme Court had yet to rule on their constitutionality. Yeah, I don't even think there's a still, but I mean, they we could go into the election day with these being already nulled uh, yeah. uh, for the vote anyway. So the, I think the court still has the option, just because ballots have been printed does not mean this moves forward even if they do pass. So yeah. And um, this and this one shouldn't pass muster anyway. It's, it's I, two I, different amendments It's in fucking one. shocking it's taking this long to figure this out. But yeah. what the hell. Yeah. Florida, oh. Florida Chamber is neutral and also um, Amendment 8, I don't know if you guys have anything printed, but no. Florida Supreme Court has removed from ballot. Yeah. That, okay. that, that, one they did, that one they did early. As about 10 of these should have been. Yeah. yeah. Nine, nine is another TBD. Yeah. Yeah, because this is a doozy. Oh, dude, yeah, I love yeah. this one. I love this one. Prohibits drilling for exploration. This is number nine. Prohibits drilling for exploration of gas for uh, what? Uh, for the exploration or extraction of oil and natural gas beneath all state-owned waters between the mean high water line and the state's outermost territorial boundaries. Adds use of vapor-generating electronic devices to current prohibition of tobacco smoking in enclosed indoor workplaces and, with exceptions, permits more restrictive local vapor ordinances. So this is the this is the combination. Please save the planet. Also, we hate smokers amendment, and I love this. So I am um, I, I I have to look this up. I was not aware. <laughs> I was not aware that like smoking bans were in the Constitution. <laughs> But holy fuck, they did it. Like, they did it. This is incredible. And soon, in addition to protecting the environment, we'll be protecting the overly environmentally conscious indoors in workplaces from these vapors. Ooh, this is good stuff. I had, like I said, I just had forgotten that this was somehow in here and, uh, and it's right in front of me. Vote yes on nine. The people have spoken. Uh, the Florida Chamber opposes. What? The this is the first one they've outright opposed. Oh, well, yeah, God. because it reduces the odds of offshore drilling. <laughs> yeah. I just, I want to know. They're opposed to it for exactly the wrong reason. Yeah, exactly. They're they're opposed to it because they're okay with a lot of indoor places smelling like Fruit Loops for no reason. Yeah. 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 These people are terrible. Number 10, (laughs) state and local government. Okay. The summary, the super summary of this is state and local government structure and operation. That says literally nothing. That's it. And then we read on. Requires legislature to retain Department of Veterans Affairs. Number one. 
ensures election of sheriffs, property appraisers, supervisors of elections, tax collectors, and clerks of court in all counties. That sounds suspiciously redundant. That's number two. Removes county charters' ability to abolish, change term, transfer duties, or eliminate elections of these offices. That sounds good, except that it's almost certainly never going to happen. Um, Changes annual legislative session commencement date in even-numbered years from March to January. Weird. That doesn't sound like something the Constitution should be dealing with. (laughs) Removes legislature's authorization to fix another date. Why the fuck is that in there? Who cares? Create. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Yeah, just whatever. It's fine. We're just redefining what a credit card is. Um, (laughs) Creates Office of Domestic Security and Counterterrorism within Department of Law Enforcement. That's weird. That seems like something I would have put at the top of this list personally. Um, But in other words, uh, this is just a giant smorgasbord of bullshit to control local government. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you shouldn't vote for it. No, local government's fine. Just fucking, as long as you vote down Amendment 1 and 2, uh, yeah, local government will be fine. Florida Chamber position is neutral, and I'm starting to wonder if they're neutral because they're like, yeah, we actually don't know what we threw in here. This no longer makes sense, so yeah. we can't come to a consensus. Are we in favor consensus. or opposed to this one? We don't yeah. remember. The only anymore. one thing we know is that we don't want the one that prevents us from drilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one they're sure of. Oh, my God. <laughs> Number 11, property rights, removal of obsolete provision. And criminal statutes. Removes discriminatory language related to real property rights. Removes obsolete language repealed by voters, which seems like a weird red flag, but we'll come back to that in a second. Deletes provision that amendment of a criminal statute will not affect prosecution or penalties for a crime committed before the amendment. Mm -hmm. Retains current provision allowing prosecution of a crime committed before the repeal of a criminal statute. So this one is a little stickier. Uh, The ACLU is in favor of this one because Mm -hmm. it allows for the retroactive absolution of crimes committed. And I am in some sense in favor of that, if only because prison reform in this country needs to go in literally one direction and one direction only, which is we need fewer prisoners. Yes. Uh, And that is good. Um, What's weird is that a lot of these amendments, they have little bits at the end where they talk about how much this is going to cost the taxpayer and that kind of stuff. Um, And this one has no such thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I talked to Patrick for half a second about this, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of paperwork involved with this. (laughs) And the impression that I get is that that paperwork is not going to happen. Yeah. Um, Because the courts are already more than full of people that they're accused, that they're, you know, they're doing their normal job. It turns out that legal proceedings of that kind with, people with JDs is very, very, very expensive and they don't do any more work than they absolutely have to. And I don't blame them for that. Um, so number 11 is a little sticky for me, honestly. Um, it actually seems like it's probably worth supporting at the same time. I don't think it's going to make any difference whatsoever in reality. Florida chamber supports with an asterisk. Oh, so you might not even see amendment 11 in November. What are these people doing? Crack. I'm telling you. No, again, it's the kind of thing where it's like, yes, I guess on balance, what's in there is good. I just don't see it making any difference at all. Yeah. The, the felony, the felons getting to vote thing, all it takes is one nonprofit organization that's interested in the sovereignty of felons, and that will that will matter. This one is going to require so much paperwork. I just don't see it making any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can keep our. No on everything except for up to this point. Number 12. We're almost done, folks. I promise. 
Number 12, lobbying and abuse of office by public officers. <laughs> Expands current restrictions on lobbying for compensation by former public officers. To be clear, what that means is literally that you are paid to lobby, not that you are lobbying to get money. Yeah. It is it is that you your job, you are being compensated for lobby. You're hired gun. Correct. For lobby. Create so Dana Lash? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> creates restrictions on lobbying for compensation by serving public officers and former justices and judges, provides exceptions. No, 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 don't don't gloss over this. All right. Like take a pause. <gasps> da, 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 Semicolon. Da, da, da. Provides exceptions. Provides exceptions. All right. I don't know what the fuck that means. Semicolon. Prohibits abuse of a public position by public officers and employees to obtain a personal benefit, which just sounds like horseshit. Uh, basically, what this does is it um, it extends a clause that does already exist. It's weird. This, this sounds more weaselly than it actually is. They did a bad job with the summary. Basically, it extends a current prohibition on lobbying for compensation from two years to six. What? That's functionally what it does. That's ridiculous. Um, and I'm conflicted and therefore say no on this. Politicians, look, you already term limit the fuckers, right? Like these people theoretically have expertise. Let them make some cash with their network. Like, what are you doing? Like, it would, this is essentially, if you support number 12 on the ballot, you support uh, non-compete clauses and you're a piece of shit. All right, that's all I'm saying. Like, don't, don't support. The, the other thing is that Lobbying, by its very nature, is almost impossible to police. So, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's so hard. What is compensation for these people? Yeah, I mean, it is it is very very hard to pin that down. Um, and there is so little impetus to truly figure out how to solve it legislatively. Yeah, because uh, this this is where most of these people make their money. Yeah, it's not from the governor's salary. It's not that much. You, you can get that <laughs> at a private firm any day of the week as one of these people. <laughs> Number 13. Florida Chamber opposes 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. They're all a bunch of fucking scabs. <laughs> Number 13. Ends dog racing, Ugh. which is way too strong for what is actually in this amendment. Ugh. Phases out commercial dog racing in connection with wagering by 2020. Other gaming activities are not affected. So the full story on this is that dog racing, there's a couple of very large kennels, my favorite of which in a very, very specific aesthetic sense. Not that it's like my favorite kennel to go to. Um, <laughs> Tell us about your love of, of abusing I, and exploiting I, animals, yeah, yeah, David. I've, I've never been to a Greyhound race. Um, it is right across the street from the Northland Church, mm -hmm. which is just a, fantastic. It's this giant arena-style building Massive. right across the street. From, Massive. From an arena-style church. Um, this would specifically prevent wagering on these races. Mm -hmm. You could do whatever the hell else you want in these places. So... What I like about this amendment is that just like prohibition, it brings the money for vice-related activities back into the control of the mob where it belongs. <laughs> and I like this regression to 30s, 20s politics. Gotcha. Um, at the same time, um, it, it's, it's probably, you know, I mean, it's probably worth ending this, except that to have this as a constitutional amendment, particularly given... We already have Amendment Number Three, which gives voter control of gambling in Florida to voters. It's it almost feels like it's in contradiction, and I almost wonder if there's a timing question coming into this. Ooh. So I'm all right. So 
This doesn't ban dog racing. Not at all. Not even a little bit. All right. So are we to assume then that the conditions of these animals will improve if this goes into effect? So there are competing organizations. Okay. The Florida Greyhound Organization is opposed to this. Yes. Grey2K USA, a national organization, is in favor of it. Okay. I mean, Gen- is, it, is, it, is there just a group of people who are just in it for the love of watching dogs run really fast? I mean, I is assume like that's a, the Florida Greyhound Association. Okay, they're just like, an, they're, they're just enthusiasts. Because the great 2K USA people seem to be opposed to races altogether. My, my assumption following the money is that they want to be able to buy all these Greyhounds for pennies on the dollar and sell them <laughs> to puppy mills uh, if we're being as cynical as possible about it. And why wouldn't you be? But, well, but yeah, so this... You probably shouldn't be able to bet on dog racing. That's that seems like it encourages bad behavior. Well, but but I mean, I, look, I'm I'm more concerned about the conditions the animals live in, train in, and you know, and and experience, right? Like if if there is a way to like humanely do, and I, I don't, don't at me, you know, like I don't give a fuck if like you think the the racing of these things. I mean, um, having been around former greyhound racing dogs, right? Our neighbors. Um, uh, rescued them and took them in. I've been around greyhounds. They're fucking wonderful animals. And, um, you know, like we have genetically engineered them to run. Like they fucking want to run. Like I hate to like break this to people, but like that is what they want to do. They want to run. And um, there is a way, I mean, ideally they should all just be out on a farm somewhere and enjoying their life as pleasure, as, as pleasurable as, as possible. But, um, you know, to the certain extent that they, you know, um, are racing animals, um, I mean, I'm more concerned about the condition of them, and I don't care about gambling about it to a, the slightest extent. I want what's best for the animal, and we should be regulating the shit out of these things, and we should be ensuring that they're not abused um, at all levels of competition. And so, so let's simplify the question a little bit. Should the Constitution deal with this? No, absolutely not. It should okay. be fucking yeah, regulated that's, through that's, that anyway. That's what I figured. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> and I just, I'm just am, am, am struck by this because you can make an argument to me that dog racing should not be a thing if it's impossible to have a moral situation in the raising and to care of the animals, right? Like if you can make that, if like, if I could, if you could demonstrate that to me, the fuck dog racing, like, I don't like, I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, they, they have the unfortunate thing about not being horses, you know, where those animals are actually cared for, especially at the high levels, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, I know there's a lot of shady shit that goes on uh, with this as well. And that's, that's problematic. I mean, I don't, I don't want animals to suffer, but like you said, this just shouldn't be done through constitutional amendment. I don't understand it. Two points. Yeah. Uh, fuck horses in an emotional sense, not in a physical sense. <laughs> and two. Um, Subtle but significant distinction. Uh, this is, it's a very significant <laughs> distinction. We're dealing with that right now in the fur community pretty hard. And the, um, uh, the other one is, of course, that greyhounds are like the only animal in the dog community that we do this with. Mm-hmm. And that seems really weird to me that they don't have like alternate forms of this racing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if eliminating the gambling aspect of it would introduce like chihuahuas. <laughs> I feel like that is, I feel like that is the direction to go. If you want to make it on YouTube. Yeah. Cause you know, it took a while for boxing. Boxing had to turn into the UFC for people to actually give a shit about it. If they weren't wagering on it. And I wonder if the way to make it videogenic is to, permit other dogs that are not the truest, grandest form of what, like, Mal, you have a dog. I do. You do. Uh, is Luna, how fast, how fast can Luna run? Oh, I actually can't. She's, she's pretty fast, we'll but put, she you also. Put, you want to put 20 on it? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Cause 
She's also weird. Sidebar, my dog is a Shih Tzu Yorkie. She's very tiny and mostly, like, she's also bow-legged, so she gets by because she kind of runs like a bunny. Sure. Like, her back legs serve to hop, and that's it. Awesome. She's smaller than a cat. She's very tiny. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. She's very fast, but whenever I put her in a dog park and take her off leash, she's like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, where do I go? (laughs) I can run now, but the second she's inside, she'll just, like, run in circles like a psychopath. So, she's adorable. Follow her at Luna the Shorky on Instagram. But <laughs> would you bet on her? Yeah. Uh, probably not because her legs are also really small. Yes, on 13. All right. So we have <laughs> Florida two Chamber minutes. opposes. <laughs> of course they would. All right. Well, that's the ballot. Is there anything we want to cover on the way out? We got, we got, are we going to do predictions? Are we going to. Oh, predictions. Shit. Yeah. Okay. So 538, just to pull this in real quick. At this exact moment in time, which again is October 8th, 2018, we're about a month out. Um, 538 believes that, and again, we're rooting for the Democrats like they're the good guys, but it's really just that they're the neutral guys against the bad guys. So, um, perspectively, they, uh, Nate Silver and crew believes the Democrats have a one in five chance of gaining control of the Senate. <sighs> And a one and a three and four chance of gaining control of the House. So a good chance in the House, a very bad chance in the Senate. A Trump, if you will, a Trump sure. quality chance in the Senate. Um, Ryan, how are you feeling about that? So I, you know, this is of course why we should get rid of the Senate in general. Um, it is going to be a hell of a couple of years, and. Um, there has to be a long-term kind of struggle. Uh, you have to really take, I think, a long view about what's happening here right now. I think we are in a really fluid state um, with regards to the political parties. Um, the, you know, the Trumpification of the Republican Party is happening currently, and there is no no clear understanding. And I'm not willing to make my prediction now about how long this will infuse. Um, wh- whether the current trends will, you know, will transform that party uh, substantially moving forward. Um, you know, this. Uh, I mean, it is unclear what the overall notion of like federalism will be, um, what the, how they view the power of federal, of the federal government is still undecided, um, right? They're still like the kind of classic small government conservatives, you know, moving forward. Um, because in a weird way, we've talked before about, you know, Donald Trump being like kind of uniquely incompetent, uh, as a politician. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's both, yeah, it's both a good thing and a bad thing because, uh, but the way that he is not incompetent is in kind of stoking the fire and resentment, um, and, uh, racism of a a large section of the community. And, you know, the longer he's in power, uh, the longer he's viewed with reverence, uh, by people who are cynical enough to make money off of supporting him, uh, in the media, especially, um, the longer this becomes, um, legitimated in our culture. And this is, I think this is frightening. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I am, I am more concerned, um, about these, the, the, this, this longer term effect of what he could be more so than I, when I realized and why I was already scared in 2016 about the possibility that he had gotten that far. And we, uh, we have to be connected and organized, uh, for how you can resist something like this. And more importantly, I think you have to be willing to confront it. And this is where I think secondarily why, when I kind of mocked, you know, the ability of like, well, decorum this and decorum that, um, you know, decorum, um, will not get you anywhere, right? Like decorum will, um, you know, who, to whom are you appealing now, um, to people? Because 
the people that are engaged uh, are the people who have already chosen a side. And the fact that you are somehow going to like, you know, reach out and appeal to other people by um, being uh, less offensive or less willing to take a position or a stand in this is something that I just don't think history bears out in social movements. I don't mm-hmm. think you accomplish things through social movements. Um, the LGBT community didn't accomplish something by, by having decorum, right? They had, they accomplished something by being fabulous, you know, like the, the civil rights movement didn't accomplish something by having decorum. They fucking pushed their agenda forward. Uh, they stated their principles and they wouldn't demand anything less. So women's suffrage did not fucking get where they wanted to based on decorum. They pushed in decade, decade after decade to accomplish that goal. And to pull in the more insidious side of that, Mm -hmm. the Republicans maintained power in the entirety of the South through concerted efforts to gut the Voters' Rights Act Mm -hmm. to gerrymander and Mm -hmm. to shut down polling places. Mm -hmm. They understand this and they have to be fought on those terms because those are the terms by which people get elected and by which people establish power. Right. Mm -hmm. That matters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, Mal, I don't know if you wanted to take off from that at all while I find the other thing here, but um, it, it looks like more Democrats are going to vote than Republicans. We don't know if that's true. So that was actually something really interesting. And uh, guess what? We're going to talk about Kavanaugh again. So, um, um, I mean. Look, we get it. You're upset. All right. <laughs> Maybe he raped a couple people. <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a long time ago it was <laughs> he eight thousand percent did it like he just did not act like an innocent person but anyway that aside um <laughs> god i forgot my train of thought you just you completely derailed me um, kavanaugh anger <laughs> that doesn't help there were, there were a lot of things there are a lot of things in in that hearing that were just like so baffling oh yes okay so um one of the things that I kept coming back to is a point of frustration like trying to block out the the litany of other things where I was just like why? Like, I just kept coming back to why all of the eggs in the Kavanaugh basket? Like, I understand everything else, but you have to think it it became the narrative that this is the only guy that the conservatives could put on the Supreme Court. Like, that, that just seemed to happen. And that was just crazy to me because you think about how many judges and federal courts and blah, 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 all of that. So one thing that I, I kept reading was that it was a big political show to get the right fired up, particularly to get them to turn out to vote because the Democrats have a lot of fervor right now. So the Democrats like flooding into the polls. We've heard a lot about the blue wave and everything like that. And um, boy, has the blue been talking up the blue wave like that's a real whew, thing, yeah. man. Holy shit. We'll so see. the a, a couple of the opinion pieces that I that I read were very interesting because they were like Kavanaugh loses. Republicans are fired up. They feel like their guy lost. They're going to go vote to make sure this doesn't happen again. Kavanaugh wins. Republicans are fired up because it's a big, you know, win for the team. Um, And they turn out to vote. So, like, whatever happens, they just kind of made him a martyr for the Republican Party, including his, like, completely asinine opening statement in his hearing. But anyway. The best kind of martyr that actually gets exactly what he wants. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the martyr that wins. The martyr. If if you bring nothing away from this podcast the Republicans know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They are very smart people. Do not consider the, the fact that Trump is a senile, wet old man. Mm-hmm. Do not let that distract you from the fact that Mitch McConnell, Newt Gingrich, and the rest of them are fucking smart people. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing, too, that like a lot of people you'll see online when they talk about Republicans are just like, oh, you know, Trump tards or whatever. But it's like, uh, you know, the people that are actually like making this happen by and large are not slouches intellectually. Like Kavanaugh's not dumb. McConnell's not dumb. They've Graham is doing dumb. this for 30 years. Well, yeah. And it's it's weird, too, because like they they have. I'm still struck by the fact, and I'd like maybe some comment as well. Um, I mean, do people like? Because I don't talk to normal people, you know. Like I don't I just like. I mean, I mean, in the sense that like my relationship. You picked a great audience yeah. to admit that. To. Well, but my uh, my my relationship, even to my students, is not like one of like a normal dialogue that I have with them, right? Like they're like they are kind of not couched, but I guess that they are you know, um, selective in how they can talk to me about politics, even outside of the classroom, so to speak. And, um, and you know, my, all other interactions I have are just ridiculous, but, um, <laughs> what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk to like normal people and ask them, um, you know, are we in polar in a polarized time in our politics, right? Like yes or no. And I think a lot of people would say yes. And I'm like, what I'd like to ask them is, is that like, well, have you changed your behavior at all, uh, since it has become polarized? Because for a lot of people, I don't think they have. Like, I don't think they've kind of like fully understood that the the landscape of politics has changed, and that you know, like, I'll tell you why they had to confirm Kavanaugh because they knew they would get no credit from anyone else if they took him out. They get no credit for compromising. They get no credit from their own base as Republicans. They get no credit from independents, and a fucking they get no goodwill from Democrats. So why there is no incentive to have pulled him for any reason. Other than basically him just admitting that he committed sexual assault. And as long as he asked for an apology or uh, as long as he apologized afterwards, they probably would have still confirmed the fucker. Like there's just no, in a a polarized environment, there was no incentive whatsoever to have compromised or to have admitted defeat in selecting Kavanaugh. None whatsoever. It is about wins exclusively and win at all costs. Win for your team it, because you you won't get yeah. any credit from them for losing. You're fucking a loser. And yeah. like independence, most people will. Most people, I'll be frankly, ignored it. Like didn't know what was going on. And for Democrats who are following along, like you know, like you, you'll never you'll never nominate the right person. Right? They could have nominated Obama, and, and liberals would have been like, you know, the whole drone strike pro- program thing. I don't know about <laughs> that. You know, like I got I got some doubts about this Obama guy. And it's it's just in that area where. The landscape has changed, especially since 2010. And I don't, um, I know that, you know, there's this conservative myth that Obama was the true polarizer of American politics, but I just don't buy it. I just, I just cannot buy it. And there is this, I don't think many, I think a lot of people who don't pay attention to politics and independence, uh, low information voters are going to slow. I think a lot of them are going to start waking up and realizing that they are in a different type of politics than they grew up in. Mm -hmm. And what I find interesting is that younger people are a little bit more aware of this. They're, they still have their parent ten, their parents' tendency to decry, you know, oh, you know, like we're, we're our statesmen. Where are the people looking out for the best of everybody? Um, but they will s- sooner or later come to a realization that we no longer live in that environment. And there isn't, I see no fucking, you know, light on the horizon to indicate that uh, a, a new dawn is coming. I just don't see it. It's not impossible that that will happen. But the context in which it will happen requires the Democrats to take control. Because even though liberals can be dissuaded away from being good at the drop of a hat, you can at least guilt them into doing the right thing. And the Republicans absolutely will not take that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's why, look, the Democrats winning everything, that is a partial victory at most. Mm-hmm. That is not – that's not the end because the Democrats all getting into office doesn't mean Medicare for all and it doesn't mean prison reform and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean $15 an hour because Obama did have a fucking supermajority <laughs> – for two years and did nothing with it. Mm-hmm. This is again, and I feel like most of this podcast, hi Jacob, hi dad, I feel like I'm talking <laughs> to you too. Look, I get it. The Democrats are a bunch of fucking weasels. I started this at the top quite deliberately saying Pelosi gets paid by the same people mm-hmm. that McConnell does, and that matters. But McConnell has no shame at all. Mm-hmm. Pelosi? A little more negotiable. Yeah. And I can work with that. Right. Because I'm going to be alive a handful more years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless I drink too much Tito's. Like, I'm going to manage <laughs> I'm going to manage to be around for another decade or so. And she is much more pliable mm-hmm. than McConnell is. Because mm-hmm. McConnell has a mission and Pelosi does whatever anybody else says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that second one is preferable. As shitty a position as it is, mm-hmm. Ryan, I completely agree. Like we're fucked right now, mm-hmm. but we can we can get a little bit closer to where we need to be. No, yeah. I mean I'm I'm not I'm not a fan of violence, but I don't. You know, we've we've talked we've had our we've had our is it moral to punch a Nazi conversation before, and you know I please I, tell I, me the answer was yes. Oh, absolutely, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. No, again, no. the whole tangent on hate speech and like you know you yeah sure you can say whatever you want, but that doesn't mean there's going to be not going to be real world yeah, doesn't repercussions. Mean, doesn't, mean, doesn't mean you're not going to get an impression in your forehead. You there's a I mean? difference like, between hearing the argument and having to entertain it permanently. Yeah, yeah. we already live had it, the conversation. Yeah. yeah, this is we need the government needs to the, we need a dot gov mm-hmm. where all the young people. This is what civics class was supposed to be, I think, mm-hmm. where we. Teach them all the shit that we already agreed is good and bad. Like, yeah. Because there are things. Nazism, fascism yeah. falls into this camp. It is illiberal in a way that liberalism is not equipped to deal with. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you have the fight, you should be able to say, nah, son, we're done with this shit. Yeah. You should be able to. And it's even taught in schools that you should be able to. But for some reason, it's still. It's not taught enough in schools. Agreed. It mm-hmm. is not. It is not reinforced. Like, it's possible to relitigate. Look, I agree with Jonathan Rausch. I believe in the concept that any idea should be tried. But I also believe in the idea that ideas can be resolved. Yeah. <laughs> and fascism is one of them. Yeah. yeah. No, punch, punching, a, punching a fascist is essentially self-defense. Right? Yeah. Like, regardless of the situation, punching a Nazi is always self-defense. And so, I, I really do, I think that there will be disruption. And I um, think that in the history of America... And, you know, within an activist class, I think that there is a lot of tradition in, in you know, women's suffrage and the civil rights movement. Uh, the LGBT was a little bit more of a legalistic movement more than anything else, rather than in the classic, you know, civil disobedience, direct action kind of campaign, although there was important components of that. Um, but I think that there is... It well, was also just culturally murky as hell and yeah, amazing as such. No, I mean, it was its own, it, the, I mean, it was its own thing. And that's what's, you know, partly brilliant about it, too, was that yeah. it, it had its own strategy and tactics and... and uh, once again, they, I mean, they won it by being fabulous, and I mean that not in any sort of derogatory. I mean, like they they were themselves, they they represented themselves as people with integrity and honesty about that, 
And it turns out that like a whole lot of reasonable people were like, holy shit, you're humans. You know, like mm -hmm. you're like actual people that are like, you know, capable of being loved and embraced. And it was like, I feel uh, like you just explained my counter argument to that, which is, it was the part where they started acting normal, but anyway, keep okay, going. Yeah. It's so, not, it's not worth the tangent. Well, yeah. <laughs> RuPaul's drag race is in no way, in no way part <laughs> normal, but like, um, but then, you know, when, um, I would like, I would hope this would be able to be resolved without violence. You know, like I, I really, um, would hope that there, could be some resistance to the changes that are happening and resistance to the forces that are rising. Um, and I think there should be, and I think that it should be confronted and mm -hmm. I hope that it can be done um, without, without actual violence. Right. Um, I mean, not without aggression, mm -hmm. like I said, not without confrontation um, because, you know, confrontation, and this is what is weird when I like am organizing, you know, I meet professors who are like, you know, like, well, geez, you know, like, I don't, you know, I want people to like me and why, you know, like, why can't we just do this? And it's like, look, conflict is, is about resolving problems. Mm -hmm. Like that's what conflict is. And there is just this idea that you can have resolution or achievement without conflict. I find just in incredibly baffling with people. Like you want to like just shake them and say like, well, what do you want to happen? Um, or are, can you tolerate where you're at? And for a lot of people, they, they want to appear that they want things to progress um, without any actual effort or ability uh, to put forward to actually accomplish that the problem and, solvers yeah and you mentioned these in the the independents yes the non-affiliateds yeah this is the, it's ron paul i i need a better acronym for it but it's the it's the group of people that are they're like i don't i don't know what's going on but i don't like it yeah mm -hmm. like that that group of people that that seem to believe that you can literally just apply like harvard case studies to america and yeah. improve the state of the world yeah. and that's just that doesn't it doesn't work. There are countervailing forces. Yeah. I think a lot of it too is um, just kind of the, the way in the English language in particular that you can kind of like relinquish agency to a lot of things. So I think that kind of um, allows people who want to make a change and allows us to, to tell history and to teach history in a way that kind of sets it up like, well, the civil rights happened. Then we got Obama. Now everything's great. Yeah. Like while while pushing those other things to the aside, like all of these things, it just makes you know the the subject kind of passive and right. whatever's happening to them, stuff just happens. Mm -hmm. Um. But I I, I do kind of want to backtrack a bit and touch on something you said a little earlier that people kind of have to like wake up and get mm -hmm. more involved. And I've actually had kind of the the opposite effect mm -hmm. in the sense that like you say that you, you haven't, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You haven't really seen um, people get like fired up and change their behavior in response to what is currently happening. Um, what started in 2015, 2016 and up mm -hmm. until now, I've definitely seen the opposite. Like I know that my, I, myself, I have changed my behavior quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, for me, a lot of it has been trying to get like a 360 degree view of what's happening around me. Right. Because um, again, when you insulate yourself in that echo chamber and you just hear your own ideas reinforced, mm -hmm. you, you kind of have to like peek out of your hole a little bit and be like, is this actually correct? And then like, okay, like just check in with yourself with what your morals are. I feel like I've seen a lot of my peers that have been taking the same approach mm -hmm. um, that they've been actually trying to like source different articles. Like, okay, this is what I know from within my circle. Let me look at a, a different news source and try to like piece it together and see where we actually mm -hmm. are. Um, but I think the people who are sitting most firmly in their camps and parroting talking points that you can easily find from like, um, you know, Fox news or, 
or um, John Oliver, when you just like hear people parroting talking points, mm-hmm. that's I think where it starts to get particularly dangerous because you know those people aren't poking their heads up at all and interacting with people or even trying to make change. They're just digging their heels in more firmly. Right. So I think that's the that's the scary bit. Maybe they are changing their behavior. They're just changing it to a more stubborn position than they would have had before. I suppose I would have to question the value of that though. What did that do for you? <sighs> For me, it definitely pushed me into a direction of, of trying to take more action um, in the sense that I needed to know, and this is like an incredibly personal thing for me, but I needed to know that like what I was affiliating myself with made sense for what I believe in within the world, which is a really nebulous way of saying that I found that if we don't agree that uh, men and women should be inherently equal in whatever they do, if we don't agree there, if we don't agree that... People, regardless of, you know, country of origin, skin color, anything, um, should be treated equally, then we're going to have a problem. Um, if, if you don't believe in, like, very basic human rights, like, that is one thing that is just kind of, like, sickly, like, weird to just watch happen is when you just hear this like debasing and dehumanizing language and like really just kind of like looking and paying attention to that I think is very important because again that's where you know that you can't be nice you can't just kind of look past like oh you know they might have said something that you know definitely called out white supremacy in a way that um, you know exonerated it or lifted it up a little more and you know we can just look past that it's like no don't look past that like you you have to pay attention to the fact that these really dangerous and hateful viewpoints are becoming mainstream Mm -hmm. and allowing people to to feel emboldened to and then to commit atrocities okay so so this is weird this feels completely backwards mm -hmm. what you're saying is that you (laughs) you have this impression when you're in the echo chamber that Mm -hmm. you're in an echo chamber you go outside of it and you go, oh, yeah, no, the world outside of this is fucked. And you come back inside reinvigorated because these people are, in fact, misogynist and racist. Mm, kind of. I, I mean, think that's where I landed. That's that's the thing. It's it's funny <laughs> because you're, you're talking about the need to, like, reinforce the epic. And I can totally see the benefit mm. of walking outside to go, oh, these people need to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> But you're saying you you seem to be implying that once you're inside your bubble, you start to become less confident that you can take at face value what these people are saying, that these, you know, the dog whistles and the oppression are not, in fact, real. And you have to actually go into their world to assert once again, oh, wait, these things are real. Because otherwise, you can just stay in your echo chamber Mm -hmm. when you say, yeah, black people, black lives do matter. <laughs> like you don't need to go outside your bubble for that. I think that I'm more speaking in the in the hope that people that might be on the fence or are kind of neutral actually take the step to go outside their echo chamber. Um, because for me, I, I like to believe in the inherent good of people. So I don't want to think there are people out there that inherently think these like heinous, atrocious things. And then unfortunately, I poke my nose into some like heinous, atrocious, like let's say, anti-vax bubble and then everything just gets really scary and then you have to run away from it very quickly so it's i i'm hoping that more people do kind of venture outside because i think that for me it did reaffirm like how do i feel about like human life how do i feel about people who are actually on this earth and their autonomy and their right to do like what they want, where they need to go, how do they get from point A to point B. So would you like consider yourself to be like an ideological person? Yes. Okay, yeah. And so when um I'm not too concerned with like echo chambers or um, you know, like if you if we kind of like divide, you know, the country into the thirds, you know, there 
the people who identify with either political party kind of make up the two-thirds on the extreme. And then it's kind of like middle, uh, you know, what I call the mushy middle, right? Mm -hmm. This like group of people who want to think of themselves as being swayable Mm -hmm. um, without ever having done the hard moral considerations about like, like you said, like, you know, like what is a human? How do how do humans behave? How, how are humans treated in <laughs> yeah. our society? How, can I see discrepancies based on the outward appearance of certain humans in our society and yes. their tree? Like to have not gone through that critical process um, already, um, I find a moral failing in and of itself. Yes, and like this is this is why, and like you said, these people need to be defeated. Um, you know, that complacency is what needs to be shocked. I mean, this is. Uh, I I have no problem with echo chamber because I live in one myself because I have a a clear guiding moral principle that people should be taken care of uh, with regards to healthcare and that they shouldn't lose their fucking house if they get cancer. Yeah. You know, like, and more importantly, um, I would extend that to the people who would, who are fighting to prevent that from being a societal value and a program that we haven't, you know, like it's the same thing too, like where I'm very frustrated with like Democrat plans for like, um, you know, like free college tuition, Mm -hmm. like, Everybody should have free college tuition. Like Ivanka fucking Trump should have free college tuition. I don't mm-hmm. fucking think I like if it's for everybody, then it's fucking for everybody. I don't give a shit if it's like we can't touch means testing. We it's, need so it's, another hour. I know, I know, but it is. It is. Um, I have become more insistent on the universality of the principles with which I am, am presenting. You know, yep. like this mm-hmm. is this is total horseshit, and even wealthy people. Will, should be covered to the extent that all citizens are covered to. And if they want to purchase anything extra by, about that because we somehow let people earn a million dollars or more in my society, that's fine. Like, they can do that. They pay the fucking taxes Yes, on exactly. It. Exactly. It's not free. Mm-hmm. They pay everyone's share Mm -hmm. but it's 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 the way in which the like centrist moderate position somehow tries to like just loses itself in the argument when it just say like no everyone everyone gets a card and that everyone has it paid and i was was hoping all people i was hoping you were going to linger on that for a second because that is the problem and that is why that is the version of me that used to be that way Mm -hmm. deserves derision does Mm -hmm. not deserve reasoning Mm -hmm. because you reason your way into means testing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The moral position is that everyone should be fine and you should be able to reason <laughs> that if rich people get off on the system mm-hmm. by paying a bunch of money into it to f- bankroll everyone's medical care, that that in no way jeopardizes everyone being fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Means testing is, I just said it would take an hour and I'll try to take 30 seconds. But the concept of means testing is exactly what caused the Democrats to become insane. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why they <laughs> it's the reason why they suck as a party. Mm-hmm. It is the same I'm not gonna pull in the parable, I'm gonna save that for another time. But there is it, the idea that you can promote fairness mm-hmm. through a system exempting taxes, mm-hmm. as if a progressive tax system is not enough by itself. Mm-hmm that that is not enough to level the playing field. If you just provide the tax structure to allow everyone to live to a certain level of prosperity, and then what you give to everyone is in fact immaterial. Mm-hmm. Because if you're giving everyone health care and some degree of purpose in life, and you know if you're covering the basics for literally everyone, even the rich people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's still equality. Yes. Yeah. That somehow 
you you aren't besmirching equality by letting the rich people indulge in the pittance mm-hmm. you're giving to everyone else. Right. Think about that position for another 15 fucking seconds <laughs> before you consider cutting off the level at which social security applies mm-hmm. or the degree of scholarship people mm-hmm. receive. Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump's children should go to college for free Fuck if it. they're good enough to go to a university. Yeah. No, no doubt. Because they're paying for the poor people anyway. Well, no, but, yeah. it, but it, it's it's the moral midgetude of the thing, right? Like it's so it's so stunted in your thinking to just to to then exclude people out of it. It's it a is, cheat. Oh, mm-hmm. it it's, is it's so... a cheat. It's a way to obviate the class struggle. Not to be incredibly Marxist about this, but it's a, it's a way in which the Democrats can pretend that it's not a class of struggle. Yeah. It's a way in which they can pretend that it's like, no, the rich can totally deserve to be. Look, it's my favorite tweet of the last two years mm-hmm. is, I botched the initial read on this and bumped into the microphone to boot, so I'm just going to do a clean one here. This is from at History in Flicks. Conservatives, let's round up Muslims and put them in camps. Liberals, hire more women guards. And it's like, <laughs> Neither of these are good positions. This is not the solution to the problem of poor people. Mm -hmm. That's not how you fix the problem. The fact that there are women as ruthless as men sufficient Mm -hmm. to be all of the Google engineers and all Mm -hmm. the CEOs, that doesn't fix Mm -hmm. the problem. Mm -hmm. That just further extols a a different set of people. It doesn't fix the well-being of anyone. Right. I agree. And yeah, I agree. Really it's, <laughs> it's, it's just frustrating. I mean, and I know, I know Chapo beats this horse all the time, but it's like, look, I would love to promote a racist an anti-racist, I should say, <laughs> anti-sexist policy, uh, like some political paradigm that eliminates racism and sexism. As soon as someone figures out what that looks like, I will support yeah. it. Yeah. But no one knows what that looks like. Yeah. But it looks like in a way that it's not like a bandaid over something else. Yeah. Or it's not just lumped into like a weird constitutional amendment for no reason. But yet for, for now, we know that $15 an hour, Medicare for all and prison reform helps the vast majority of Americans. Mm-hmm. And that's worth supporting. Mm-hmm. We can, if again, if someone happens to come across the bill that will fix the labor disparity between blacks and whites and men and women. I'll vote for that. No one knows what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we know how to fix being poor a little bit, mm-hmm. and we should do that first. Yes, because that is for everybody. Yeah, yeah. for everybody. <laughs> Because, I mean, again, we live in a capitalist hellhole. What's the thing that everybody is worried about is that being black or a woman is impoverishing. It's the wage gap. Mm-hmm. That's the part everybody cares about. If the wage gap matters less, it's treating a symptom. I'll, give you, I'll grant you that. Mm-hmm. It's a really, 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 really important symptom. And we should fix that one first. <laughs> and the way we're going to do that is by voting for Andrew Gillum, mm-hmm. uh, Amendment Number 4. Yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Four only. And well, that's my position. I will, I, can, I will, I will accept other people voting for other amendments. You can still be my friend, uh, but I'm for no more because you can pass laws to do all this stuff. You don't need to do it. And um, we need voter buy-in. And I love for dog more. racing. Yeah, I love dog. I fucking I like. I like fast things. 
No, your position rhymed and it's easy to remember. Therefore, I am taking it to the polls. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, I will. All right, so we're just going to, uh, since I am a, a political scientist. Um, so the one bad thing, though, is that a lot of times when you put forward these kind of like restrictive slogans, um, especially ones that really reduce the overall scope of things. So the fact, that, the real problem is, is that slogan has a problem. Because when people hear four no more, uh, what they what they will tend to do is just not vote on any of them. Mm-hmm. Like they won't even vote down for you know vote for four and then vote down the others. Mm-hmm. They'll just kind of like fuck it. Like it's kind oh, of this, someone's got a plan. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of this weird little thing where like even um, even that like little solution. So sometimes it's better to like recommend more than you know find two or three things that you can recommend for it which is why they kind of did like yeah neutral 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 favor 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 Oppose. Yeah. yeah but they you know they they do that intentionally because if people just see like all favors or all oppose they like uh, you know like they won't yeah. do anything like that so but foreign uh foreign no more is how you should vote in florida for in my opinion so um for those of you who uh, love rhymes anyway, please 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 I, i'm a marketer so yeah i love oh, rhymes great if it's if it's easy to remember i'm all in four and no more and if friends. you want to be conscientious about it vote in favor of four nine and 13 yeah yep. sounds good yep yep Whew. mal anything else um no i mean i was gonna pull Stephen fry and say be good to each other but <laughs> if that other person is saying hateful things do not engage with them yeah it's it's not universal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ryan anything else happy uh happy election day everybody and if you're listening to this after november i hope we're happy yeah we're gonna we're gonna pull you back in for a union episode because I want to see how that's going. Oh, but, um, good stuff! I posted my uh, posted my little candid video. I appreciate their, uh, that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, got to get it out there. It was shaky cam to hell, but it was the best I could do on short notice. Oh. Um, and uh, I have nothing more to say. I probably said too much as it is, so I'm going to shut this shit down. And uh, we're not going to do this ever again for another two years. All right. <laughs> uh, Ryan Mao, thanks for being part of the Machination Log. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Good morning, everyone.